Okay, make your influence positive. Alright? So, children see. Children do. Question for us today is, what would children see us do today? Who would you be in the video? Are, are we going to be the good influencer? Or are we going to be those bad influencers? Let's pray and ask God to help us as we unpack the scripture today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and draw us to your word. Open up the word of God to all of us so that, Lord, that we can see afresh the truth, that we can understand the truth, and the truth can set us free to be all that you want us to be. Help us to live a, a living faith that will impact not just our lives, but even the lives of the future generation. As we commit ourselves to you today, as we open up the scripture, Holy Spirit, come and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that difficult times are coming, right, where there will be more bad influencer than the good influencer. In fact, the bad influencer are going from bad to worse because the world is Rushing towards the end, the world is dying. And it is precisely in this difficult time, it will be real. It will be real for all of us, whether you are Jews or you are Gentiles. These difficult times will hit us. And this is highlighted by Apostle Paul in the book 2 Timothy. And today we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4 together. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul said this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. How? In what form? In what form would these difficult times come? Verse 2 tells us, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding on to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such people as this. 19 expressions of corruptions. Paul painstakingly highlighted this 19 expression. I think we can take a little bit of time just to go through this 19 expression. Alright? I know the font is small, so I'm going to enlarge for you, alright? So, it talks about lovers of self, talking about lovers of themselves, lovers of money, talking about being boastful, being arrogant. What's something that, that summarizes these four things for us? Alright, they are very self-centered, very self-focused. You're talking about selfishness. These are selfish expressions, all about self. Then it talks about the next two. Slanders, insulting others, talk about disobedience to parents, being rude to parents and so forth. Talking about socially destructive behaviors. Then the next four, the next four is very interesting. Talk about ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. It, it talks about un and the virtue. Talk, basically helping us to see that they are missing virtues. All right, they are, they are, they are, the virtues are missing in their lives. The gratefulness. Holiness, loving, forgiving are missing in these people. Then the next four things. Malicious gossip. 
giving false accuser, without self-control, brutal, haters of good. Now, if you, if you look at this deeper, you realise that this is, these are opposite to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, it's all right. Malicious gossip shows us there's a lack of kindness. They talk about without self-control. There's no self-control, which is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Talk about brutal, talk about lack of gentleness. It talks about haters of good. There's lack of goodness in their lives. So all this you can see that they are the very opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Giving us a hint that these are people who are not Spirit-filled. There's no Spirit manifestation in their lives. And lastly, he talks about treacherous, betraying others, reckless, rash, not thinking. Talk about conceited, puffed up, high-minded by themselves. Level of pleasure more than God. And they have a form of godliness, but there's no power, there's no reality in their lives. So what we can see for them is that they're sinful actions, false teachers, deception. There's no power, there's no reality in their lives. And then Paul said this, avoid such people. Avoid such people. Now what was in Paul's mind when he tells us to avoid such people, or to have nothing to do with them? The truth is, if we look at these 19 uh, areas, if you look at it, sometimes we do fall into one of those areas. Then how? How to avoid ourselves? Now what exactly was in Paul's mind when he tells us to avoid such people? Paul continued to elaborate for us from verse 6 to verse 9. He says this, For among them are those who slip into household and captivated weak women, weighed down with sin, led on by various impulses, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jebris opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, worthless in regards to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be obvious to all, just as that also of Janus and Jebris. So what was wrong with these people? What was wrong with these influencers? They are more than the 19 uh, uh, traits described. They are really bad. In fact, Paul pronounced a judgment on them. Five things that Paul judged them. That they have ulterior motive. They oppose the truth. They have depraved mind. And their, their faith is worthless. And they exhibit foolishness. While professing that they are believers, they have ulterior motive. They are trying to get something. They are trying to take advantage of those who are weak in faith. And they oppose the truth. Right, they disobey the word of God subtly and then eventually publicly. They have depraved mind. They have no qualms about sins. Their faith was worthless. Now what does that mean? If, if the, their faith was worthless, were they even safe in the first place? Then the finally, foolishness. You know, whenever the scripture uses the word fool, it talks about people who does not believe in God. They didn't really believe in God. Question, can you see them today? We know that these are people, these were people in Paul's time, but can we see them today in churches? Ulterior motive. We talk about people who, who came, who creep into the church, who emphasize feelings more than faith. That they need to honor the feelings more than the truth of God. And in so doing, they try to trap us in our feelings so that we, be, we have to become agreeable with them. 
And if you are not agreeable with them, they will cancel you. Then they'll oppose the truth. They'll twist the word of God. They'll say things like this, that, oh, the Bible promoted gay relationship. After all, the, uh, Jonathan and David, they were the first gay couple. This was actually preached in a church in Singapore, by the way. Depraved mind, they have no moral values. They say things like that. Oh, yeah, if what makes people happy, just let them be. Even if they enjoy watching porn, it's okay, it's healthy. Oh, people are involved in affair. It's an affair. It's nice. Don't judge people. Why? Because they have no moral bearings. They have no moral in values in their lives. And their faith is worthless. You can see them, their life, there's no power. There's no transformation. And then finally, foolishness. Now, foolishness may be something that it will take a while before we can really see how they manifest their foolishness. Verse 13 tells us, but evil people and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. All right, they will get worse. This bad influencer, they will get worse. They started to deceive others, but eventually they themselves will be deceived in the process. And therefore, Paul is telling us that we must avoid such people because they are real and they are evil and they are in the church today. They could be the nice brother, the nice sister sitting beside us. Now, don't look at the person beside you, okay? I'm not saying, I'm just hypothetically speaking, okay? They could be worshipping alongside us. They could be worshipping God alongside us. But their true intention is to influence us, to spread their belief and to influence us with their corrupted practice. So how can we resist such lawlessness? How can we resist such influence over our lives? Paul gave us three emphasis that will help us to overcome such lawlessness, that will help us to overcome such temptation, that will help us to stay true to our faith. Three things. How to have a living faith in a dying world. Paul basically gave us these three keys, that we must have a high view of the godly influences in our life. We must have a high view of God's word and finally, we must have a high view of God's calling in your life. Let me unpack for you from verse 10. Paul said this, Now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, suffering, such as happened at, to me at Antioch, at Icarum, at Lystra. What persecution I endured, and out of them, all oh, the Lord rescued me. You, however, continue in these things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. See, Paul, after describing all the 19 traits of the bad influencer, in verse 10, he said, Now you follow me. You see what happens? After highlighting the, the bad influencer, now Paul looked at Timothy and says, You follow my influence over your life. All right? He shifts the focus from the negative to the positive. He reminded Timothy about his whole life of faith. He said, look at how I live, my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, and persecution and suffering. He goes on to even repeat the three, three places, right? Uh, Antioch, Icorum, Elytro, and all this. Why? Because these are faith places that Timothy would, were familiar with, was familiar with. In fact, Timothy came from the last place, Elytro. Uh, right? He was from there. And then verse 14, he says that 
He called Timothy, you must continue in the things that you have learned from me. And not only that, he says that, from whom you have learned, alright, verse 14, knowing from whom you have learned them. Who are the people Paul has in mind? Besides learning from Paul, he was trying to remind Timothy, remember you also learned from your mother Eunice. You also learned from your grandmother Louis. In other words, all the godly teachers in Timothy's life. In other words, Paul was helping Timothy to have a high view of the godly influences in his life, the godly teachers in his life. You see, to have a living faith in the dying world, we must turn our attention from those negative influences and look at all these godly influences in our lives. Watch their lives, not just their words, but watch their lives and imitate them. Right? In another letter that Paul wrote, he said in, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 4.16, he told the Corinthians, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. You see, the imitation or imitating is very much part of Christian discipleship. That said, we are mindful. We are mindful that no teacher is perfect. No mentor is perfect. They are all human after all, and human sins. But the Bible encourages us to learn from their strength, the areas of their lives that reflect God to us. That's like our senior pastor, don't, don't, don't quote him, you know, must quote what the Bible says. You see, we don't want to put our godly teachers up on the pedestal, right? But while we don't want to put them up on the pedestal, the Bible encourages us to watch their lives and imitate the good things from their lives. You see, I have the privilege of watching senior pastor closely, and then we have a lot of lunch together. He is indeed the man of the word. All that I need to say is the, and he can fill in the verse and the reference for me. <laughs> I want to imitate his word life. I want to imitate his passion for the word. You see, I picked up reading because Kenneth modeled the love for reading to me. I, I, picked, I, I learned how to love others because God sent Eileen to love me unconditionally. I shared a heart for the poor because God sent godly men into my life to show me how they give up medical profession to reach out to the poorest of the poor. And people who that will bring in ex-convict into ex-convict with HIV into his house, nurse them until their lasting days, their, their deathbed. And it's their lives and many more, many God, godly teachers and mentors in my life. Their lives stir up my faith so that my faith is not one that's dead, but my faith is one that's living because of all these godly mentors. I want to encourage all of us, set our eyes on those eager Christians who saw with God. Don't focus on those chicken Christians who are so caught up with the things on earth. You see, when, you, when we set our eyes on all these godly influences in our life, we will have a living faith in this dying world. question for us is, who are your godly influencers? Who are the godly mentors in your life? Maybe at this point, let's just pause for a moment and thank God for all the godly mentors in your life. Thank God for them. We're not saying they're perfect. We're not saying that they are... They are without flaw, but they, God has placed them into your life 
and challenge your faith. Thank God for them. Take the moment now. Just bless the mentors, the godly teachers, the godly influencers in our lives. How can we have a living faith in a dying world? The first thing that Paul has taught us is this. We must have a high view of the godly teachers in our life, the godly influencers in our life. As we focus on these godly people, how they have influenced us, our faith will get lifted up. Don't focus on the negative influencer. But don't stop there. The next thing that Paul draws our attention to is that we must have a high view on the Word of God, God's Word. In verse 15, he said this, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is, is inspired by God and is beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man and the woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. You see, Paul is telling us we need to have a high view of the Bible. In verse 15, it tells us these sacred writings can give us wisdom to attain salvation through faith. Verse 16 tells us all scripture is inspired by God. Now, the, despite of that human author that put them into print, all right, like for example, Daniel, Daniel didn't quite really understand what he was writing. David was just writing out of his pain. John was just busy copying what he saw in heaven. So even though the, it is the, all scripture is written by human, but when the moment they wrote it in obedience, all this scripture became inspired. They are inspired by God and they are beneficial for all of us. They are beneficial for teaching us things that we don't know. It, it's, very, it's beneficial to rebuke us when we have sinned against the Lord. It's beneficial to correct us so that we can be on the right path and then for training us so that our life may experience transformation, so that we can be fully capable and equipped for every good work God has intended for us, provided, provided we obey the Bible, provided we honour the Word of God. I just want to share with you a text that we are familiar, 1 Timothy 2.9. Likewise, I want women to adore themselves with proper clothing, modestly, discreetly, not with breaded hair and gold or pearls or costly garment, but rather by means of good works and it's proper for a woman making a claim to godliness. This is in scripture. But when a local pastor wrote about wearing decently, she was hammered in a Christian website. Many, of, many Christians actually chided her for talking about how a woman should dress. Some of her youth even slammed her on the social media. And this today in Singapore. In fact, another local pastor wrote about forgiveness, wrote about grace. In another Christian website, she was, he was pressured to remove his article because people does not agree with what he's saying. People only want to hear their version of Christianity and not what the Bible says. This was already predicted by Paul. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time will come when they will not tolerate doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desire, and they will turn their ears away from the truth 
and they'll turn aside to myths. Paul continued in 2 Timothy to remind Timothy that the difficult times will come where people will not want sound doctrine. They only want to hear what they want to hear. This is my encouragement, my call to all of us, BBTC. May we not be like them. Rather, may we have a high view of the Bible. We need to obey what the Bible says about holy life, about honouring your leaders, about forgiveness, about freeing from youthful immorality. We need to live our lives subjected to the Bible and not tweak the Bible to suit our standard. We need to learn to match up to the standard that God requires of us through His Word. You see, church, when we honour the Word of God, the God of the Word will transform you. Can I hear amen? When we honour the Word of God, the God of the Word can transform you. The amen very soft, but not mine. <laughs> Just to share with you one of transformation. This, come, this came out recently in Sword and Light. All right, about this former gang leader by the name of Brother Truon. He said, I was in prison for some terrible offences and I was dying. The prison agreed to release me and as he came out, he said, I, was listen, I listened to the audio Bible. Uh, the, the thing, the, the, like, look, the brick in his hand. That's the audio Bible, okay? Peace began to fill my heart and it was something I've never experienced before. I surrendered my life to Jesus and after 18 months, I was free from drugs, addiction. And incredibly, I was able to stop taking my HIV medication. And my last medical checkup revealed that my HIV has disappeared altogether. The power of God's Word. When you honour the Word of God, the God of the Word can transform your life. And he was transformed by the Word of God, physically and spiritually. We need to have the high view of the Word of God. But some of us feel that this kind of supernatural transformation only happened to the far, far away land, you know. So let me share with you something that happened in BBTC, okay? So one new church member shared with me, BBTian, okay? He shared with me that he lost 15 kg. He was 100 and he became 85 kilo. Not because of dieting, not because of exercising, simply by reading the Bible for two months. Y'all look, don't believe. Y'all look in disbelief. I, I, I was very tempted to show his face to you, alright? You can see the before and after. In two months, just reading the Word of God, he lost 15 kg. Alright, he attends Sunday first service. Can we give glory to God? I just want to encourage us, when you have a high view of the Bible, God can change your life. And this dear brother was really experienced heavy transformation. Pun intended. You know, in the last six months, I've been journeying with two friends with cancer, stage 4 cancer. And both of them have seen pass away. You know, the journey has taken a very a strong a emotional toy on me. You see, seeing them losing their health and eventually losing their lives caused me to feel very down because I was with them throughout the journey. My condition, of course, my, my heart condition was made worse by many other things that happened in church, in, in the lives of the cell members, in the life of leaders, and seeing many wrong things happening around us. 
I was very heavy laden until I tuned to the Word of God. During this season, Senior Pastor has been preaching the Word on time of the end. And the climax about the time of the end is really the second coming of Jesus. And I turned my eyes from the problems of this world and looked to the promise of the second coming of our my Lord Jesus Christ. There's the lifting of my soul. And I'm able to hang on there because of His blessed promise in His Word that when He comes back, He will write every wrong. This is the Word of God, that when Jesus comes back, He will make right every wrong on this side of heaven. And it is in the Word of God, I found my comfort. I found my strength. I want to encourage all of us. I, I may not know where you are at right now, but I want to encourage you, go back to the Word, because the Word of God can bring life to our heart. You see, the Word of God is true because He is the living Word. And when my faith and when your faith is placed in the living Word, your faith is a living faith. Let me say that again. Because, God, because His Word is true, because He is the living Word, and because He is the living Word, when you place your, tr- your faith in the living Word, your faith will become a living faith. How can you and I have a living faith in this dying world? First, we must have a high view of the godly influencer in our life, the godly teachers in our life. Be thankful for them. How can you and I thrive in these difficult times? We must also have a high view of the Word of God. When you have a high view of the Word of God, the God of the Word will lift us up. And then finally, we need to have the high view of God's call in our lives. In chapter 4, verse 1, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience and instruction. You see, Paul concluded this letter, the second Timothy, with this final instruction to Timothy. It is a serious charge. It's a serious call. Now, how do you know that it's a serious call? Because he called on God as a witness. He said, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He called on God to be the witness. And then what is the call? Preach the word. Now, preaching the word does not mean that you must stand behind the pulpit and preach to thousands of people. Preach the word simply means announce the good news, share the good news. All right? it, it, it's not limited to just standing at a platform preaching to people. All right? It includes one-on-one. It includes one to a group of people. It includes sharing uh, uh, your personal testimony, sharing your life, sharing what God has done in your life, uh, bringing, inviting people to church, inviting people to Alpha uh, program, inviting people to your cell group. All this is part and parcel of the process of preaching the word. Some, sometime back, someone asked me to reach out to a patient with stage 4 cancer. And so Deepak and I met in August last year. He was quick to tell me, Pastor, don't preach to me. I just want to talk to somebody. So we met regularly for coffee and we chit-chat on any topics that he wanted. 
right, from his business to his family problem and so forth. And then along the way, I invited him to BBTC. Right? All in, he visited BBTC four times. And in one of those occasions, he accepted Jesus over there. Right? Because I knew he was sitting there and he accepted Jesus into his life. He didn't even tell me. I found out from his sister. And two months later, Deepak passed away as a believer in Jesus. He came to the Lord, not by me preaching to him. He came to the Lord simply because someone invited him to church. Can you do that? Can you turn to the somebody beside you and say, we all can do that. We all can invite someone to church. We all can invite someone to the cell group. We all can invite someone to Alpha program. But preach the word. Now, this is not the time to retreat because of COVID-19 or any other difficulties. You know, there's never a good time to say we can do outreach or we cannot do outreach. Right? Because sometimes people say, oh, because there's not COVID-19, so many restrictions, and therefore we, we, we cut back outreach. That's not what the Word of God says. When, when should we preach the Word? It says that we must be ready in season and out of season. In other words, all the time. We must preach the Word all the time. And so don't give ourselves excuses because it's COVID-19, because there's safe measurement, because of all these government restrictions. Therefore, we stop doing outreach. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God tells us we must be ready in season and out of season. Preach the Word. How? He tells us, correct, rebuke, exhort, with great patience and instructions. Now, do these four verbs sound familiar? They are similar to 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us Scripture is profitable for teaching. Can you see the word instruction there? He said the, the, the Scripture is profitable for rebuke. You can see the word rebuke. For correction, for correct, and for training in righteousness. And you can see, exhorting with great patience. As you learn to dig deep to the Word of God, the Word of God will help you to share the Word, to preach the Word. Every one of us here are called to preach the word. Honor the calling of God in your life. In fact, the Lord encouraged me this morning. Uh, this morning, I was just sharing with the uh, Council of Elders. Uh, I woke up with a very nice dream. You know, in my dream, I, 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 I met the Lord, and the Lord shows me that He was such a generous God. And he was, I can see God, I can see that he was very generous and he, was, he blessed me. In fact, he blessed me with a great gift. All right? And I was holding on to this gift that God blessed me. I felt so elated, I felt so blessed with the sacred trust that God has given to me. Then as I was waking up from that dream, I was looking at the gift and I saw the word, the gospel. That's the gift that God has gifted us. Then it hit me. The God who is generous, the God who will only give us good and perfect gift, He has gifted every one of us this treasure called the gospel. The gospel is able to save our life. The gospel is able to transform our life. And this gospel is given to every one of us. The question is, what are you doing about this gift? And I, I felt that the Lord was just encouraging me about this sermon Preach the word of God. May we all be found faithful.
to preach the word. This is the final charge given to Timothy before Paul died. This is the same call given to all of us today, that this is our calling to preach the word. We are called to save lives from hell to heaven. All right? But don't wait for end times. But work with the end times in mind. We are doing this so that we can save them from the wrath of God. Because if they do not have the gospel, if they do not know Jesus Christ, they will have to face the wrath of God. And therefore, it is important for us to feel the urgency of time to go out and share the good news. This is the calling that God has given to us. Bring someone to Alpha. Bring someone to church. Bless somebody. Let the gospel message come out of your life. Whether you're preaching, whether you're witnessing, whether you're announcing, let every one of us here be the life-giving messenger for the glory of God. Let me end with this final story. I share with us that two of my friends died and one of them is one of my best friends. David has been my friend for more than 40 years. We met each other when I was in Sec 1. And he was the earliest Christian influencer in my life. He brought me to church. And of course, Gunnar scolded by my mother in the process. But that did not stop him from sharing and guiding me to find Jesus. In fact, in many of his ways, he revealed Jesus to me. Just less than a month ago, on his dying bed, despite of all the discomfort, beside all the tubes and all the, the wire on him, he held his brother's hand and said to his brother, don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on Jesus. David preached the gospel even on his dying bed. I want to do the same. I want to be able to preach the word right to my last breath because that's the calling of God for me because that's the calling of God for all of us may we all be found faithful how can you and I have this living faith in this dying world we must have a high view of the godly mentors in your life the godly influences in your life we must have a high view of the word of God because when you honour the Word of God, the God of the Word will help you. And we must have the high view of the God's call in our life to preach the Word. It is time for us to rise up in faith before God. This is not the time to whine. This is not the time to complain. This is not the time to give up. But this is the time for all of us to rise up as men and women of faith so that we can say as Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept my faith. We must rise up. Are you a good influencer or are you a bad influencer? Children see, children do. What would children see us do today? What would your children see you do today? What would the non-Christian see us do today? What would the dying world see us do today?
will they see us preaching the word of God? I'd like us to just close our eyes, just bow before the Lord. I believe that the word of God will never return to God void. I trust that the word of God is touching your heart today and calling out that men of faith, that woman of faith to rise up. Oh Lord, let faith rise up in this sanctuary. Let's faith rise up. Whether for us who are at home or even for those of us who are watching from uh, uh, home or those of us who are on site, Lord, let faith rise up. 